Welcome to a, another episode of The Best Season Is Now with me, your host, Mike Buckman. Appreciate you for joining in. And uh, this week is going to be a follow-up uh, part two of last week. So if you missed last week, be sure to go check it out. It was part one of Tips for Shed Hunting. As the season goes, this season is shed hunting. It's uh, getting to be where it is the prime time to go now, at least out here where we are on the eastern shore. The, the daylights, uh, the days are getting a little bit longer, testosterone is dropping in the bucks, and as a result, antlers are hitting the ground. So if you didn't join in last week, uh, check it out. We went over a couple of things, the, the gear that I feel like is essential to, to helping to be a, a better outing for you, more comfortable, and as well as some tools and things that will assist in, in helping hopefully pick up some of those sheds you would have missed otherwise. We also went over when to go and the ideal weather conditions to get out there and, and make the best of certain situations with the weather to help that out. So if you didn't, be sure to check it out on last week's episode. And this week, we're going to dig in a little bit more and touch base on some key areas to look for in the areas that you're searching. So since we last talked, um, since we last had an episode, I've, I've been able to make it out a couple more times. And had a couple things that happened that I that I wanted to share real quick. Made uh, three more trips out, and since then found a, a old side, one single side from last year, a match set from last year, and then a match set from this year, and a single from this year. So what that tells me, looking back on my data, the match set that I found from last year was on a property that I found nine other sheds on uh, three two match sets and then the rest were one, one sides. So looking back at the dates, had I up walked this one one more time, I would have picked this set up and they wouldn't be chewed up like they are now. Uh, the one is almost gone. The, the whole, it's a small six point, no brow time. So three points on each beam and the one side is chewed almost all the way gone. So had I had made one more trip last year out there, I would have picked these up because they were in a place where I, I know I walked looking at maps and the trails, looking at the GPS tracking. I know I walked this and if they were there, I would have picked them up because they were, you know, in a super, super obvious spot to see. So something to take back to this year, I'll look and make sure that I walk this later into March to make sure that I'm picking up on those ones that held a little bit longer and dropped a little bit later than the rest of them for whatever reason. I wish I knew why some of them hold longer than others, but I don't have the answer for that. I just know that I track when I find them and then use that to my advantage. So if you're ever out there and you find that you're picking up sheds from last year pretty frequently, good data in, get your good data out. So note that kind of stuff and look back and see what you got from the year prior. And that'll tell you whether or not you walked it late enough or not. Yeah, there, there seems to be a couple in each place that I go that hold over and I, I tend to find sheds from the year prior, not many gotten better at making sure I make that last walk on, on most of the properties that I'm walking to pick up those fresh ones from the year rather than let them get chewed up. So hopefully uh, you guys can learn from my mistakes and, and take uh, take down notes and then in turn utilize that information and make sure you're getting out there late enough in the year to pick up all of them that are going to be there to be had. So after that, we're going to jump right into 
honing in on places to look on the properties that you have to look. Um, I do some e-scouting. I'll check out properties and, and look for if there's any creeks or any undulation changes. Those are ideal places to check fence rows as well as hedgerows. So we'll touch base on each one of those and, and the reasons and key points for hitting those places. Ideally, my favorite place to look is up and down hedgerows or fence crossings, just because deer, when they're traveling, they have those, whether it's a hedgerow, whether that's the funnel or a pinch point, those are the places where the deer are going to travel the most. And obviously where they're spending most of the time is going to be your highest success of finding where you're going to see shit. So looking at those areas and honing in on those places and being those places that you're not really super intrusive, you're not jumping into the bedding, you're not getting in where you're typically not jumping deer, walking hedgerows, but a lot of the times that's where I pick up the majority of my sheds up and down the edges of the hedgerows where they're a lot of times when they're moving through there, they're, they're usually running. So when they're running, they're creating more friction and, you know, they're bouncing, hitting the ground, the harder they hit the ground, obviously the better chance for those sheds to fall off as they start to, the cells there that are connected them start to weaken. And obviously ideally they both fall off on the one hedgerow as they're running across and you pick up match sets that way. I know that personally, like I said, I, I picked up more on long hedgerows than probably anywhere else. Crawling on hands and knees and thickets and briar patches and everywhere else, you pick them up. But looking back on where I find most of my sheds, the majority of my sheds, like a very high percentage, like in between 60 and 70 percent uh, are found along hedgerows and wood lines. So that's where I like to focus a lot of my efforts. If I have creek crossings or any kind of ditch or something that they have to jump across or some drainage ditches on some properties that we have out here, just because the tides come in and the way that it works out, the only way to create good drainage is man-made ditches that are drug all over the properties. So they dredge them out and they have them there. The deer use the cross those in certain key areas where they have access, where they jump across. Those are places where you find a ton of sheds as well. When they're jumping over these ditches and as they land, you know, that's a big jar to them. And as they hit the ground, a lot of times sheds will fall off. Uh, just this past week, actually, I found one in one of those places. I posted a video on one of the, on TikTok, I believe, where we, we did the recovery and the finding of the shed, pointing out where it was. You can see the clear trail where they're jumping and landing. This guy jumped across, landed, and obviously that one side fell off. Only found the one side, unfortunately, couldn't, couldn't locate the other side. But those places like that are, are areas that if you come across one of those ditches, walking down one side and up the other, it's good to spend the time to do that because it's definitely a high chance of finding sheds where they're jumping across ditches and then creek crossings with any kind of steep incline, whether it's even a hill, it doesn't have to necessarily be a creek, where there's any kind of drastic change where they're going up and down hills, running up and down a hill is going to be the same effect as jumping and landing across a creek. As they're going up and down, they're hitting the ground you know, with their front end relatively hard going down hills. So if you can find those places where they cross regularly with that big undulation change is another gray area to hone in on and spend some time looking around, seeing if you can't pick up anything there. Uh, a lot of times, whether or not they fall to the bottom of the hill is not the case. Uh, I have my son out and we're looking and there's a massive trail up and down one of these really steep hills and a deer dropped his antler probably about a third of the way down and that's where it was laying. It, you know, it dug in. It didn't roll down to the bottom. My son, he's like, well, if they fall off, they're all going to be down the bottom. So all we got to do is walk the bottom of it. If they fall off, we'll all roll down. 
that is not the case. So don't think that way. Definitely check the entire hillside. Don't don't just check at the bottom because they're not like a ball. They're not going to roll down. Some of them do, but the majority of them dig in. And a lot of times they, they dig in in a way that they're easily covered up. So take a, take a slow walk up and down those and even use binos and double check everything that you think might be a shed. If you're not going to walk over to it and get close enough to tell for sure, then use the binos and double check and make sure. The other big thing is fence crossings. Not a ton of our properties that I have out here have fences that are going through the property where the deer mostly are, but there are a couple that my buddies have that we are able to go shed hunt on and they are phenomenal where the, they have horse pastures and cow pastures with fencing all the way around the edge of the wood line. So where the deer come in and out and jump into those pastures, whether or not they're going into the alfalfa that they're feeding the, the cows or the horses, those places where they're hopping over these fences are places where they constantly ride around and pick them up with the gators. They're just running around the edge or they're dropping food and they see them laying on the edge of the fences where they're coming over these fences. So if you're fortunate enough to have either some pasture that's fenced in where the deer are getting in and out of on a regular basis, or if you have property that's bordered by a fence and they're coming into your property, those are places that definitely check. Something we were going to try out this year to ended up not doing it, but one of the properties we had, we were going to, we have some feeders that are out that we keep going all year. And we thought about taking some of the, the Home Depot style fence, the black lattice style fence and putting it in a square, you know, 12 by 12 or so around the feeder. So in order to get to the feeder, they're hopping over these little fences and you know, make them, you know, three and a half, four foot tall, something they can't step over. They just got to hop over. And uh, the idea was to hopefully get them as they're jumping in and out to drop their antlers right there. But we ended up not doing that. But next year is going to be something we're going to try out and see if it works. So if anybody's done that or tried that as a, as a trick to try to see if you can get them to be coming to a consistent food source and then putting a fence there to have them hop over, if that's helped you in any which way. I know I've seen some shed traps out there, but that's just not, that's not something that, uh, that I want to do. I've seen some different variations of it. And depending on your state's laws, a lot of times they can be illegal as well. But I've seen so many different variations and, and a lot of them tend to be harmful to the deer. If they're not ready to fall off, you don't need them getting hooked up in, into some, whether it's bungee cords or rope or what have you, getting them hooked up in there and then ended up hurting themselves worse than, than what it could be. The, the only thing that I've done to try to catch sheds, if you will, is take a couple of hay bales and put them together at a 45 degree angle and then throw the corn on the ground right up into that wedge that you're creating. And as they go in to get the corn, they're hitting their antlers on the hay bales and that'll knock them off. And that's not going to hurt them in any way. If, if, you know, if they fall off, they fall off. If they don't, they don't. And that has worked. Uh, we've taken a couple different scenarios where put four or five of those out into a area where we know that the deer are coming into and just take your two hay bales and run them at a 45 degree angle and then put the corn just into the point where they have to get all the way down in there to get it. And as they reach in there, they, they bump them off. So it's pretty easy picking them up that way. But again, make sure you cover all your state's regulations. Make sure that, you know, something like that is not going to be illegal and watch how late you, 
leave corn out because quickly approaching is turkey season and baiting for turkey. I, I know I don't think that that's legal anywhere that I'm aware of, but be careful there if you have corn out for for deer trying to catch sheds that you're not leaving enough out there where there's still some remnants when turkey season rolls around because baiting all it takes, at least in Maryland, I know we've had an issue where a game warden came out, picked up corn and had three or four corn kernels in his hand. And he said that that's enough to constitute baiting three or four kernels that he walked around an area and picked up. I mean, obviously we didn't, we didn't get cited for it, but he said that, you know, that could be constituted as baiting. So, be sure to check your laws and make sure that what you're doing doesn't put you in a spot where you have corn out there still come turkey season. And uh, hopefully that that's not the case and you're able to capitalize on maybe putting some hay bales out and, and getting some of them to knock them off where you can get to them. And if you do, uh, please be sure to share your success. And if you have other ways of doing it, whether or not you've tried the fence way or there's other ways that you've come up with and able to make it work for you we would love to hear about them and share how you do what you do to increase your odds in having sheds fall off on your property so the other thing that we definitely look for are natural funnels and pinch points you know the places where the deer are going to be traveling those are places that i'm running cameras to try to see if they've dropped and when they've dropped those are areas where if you're utilizing a cell cam, it can be your advantage and you can kind of stay out of a property until you know, at least if it's a certain deer you're looking for is dropped or just the majority of the deer have dropped. Running cameras in those areas where you have pinch points or funnels where the bulk of the deer are going to be moving through and then utilizing that to tell you when to go is, is ideal. So make sure you're hitting those areas and those are areas that you frequent and hit each time you're in there. Whether or not you're getting all the way into the bedding every time or not, is, uh, is is to be debated. I, I try not to do that if I can avoid it, but if you have other people that are going to be already in there or you're on public property and you're hunting public property for sheds, then if somebody else is going to be walking into bedding, then by all means, you might as well be the one walking in there as well. But if you're on private property and you have that opportunity to stay out of the bedding, then I would do so and run cameras and see when you have sheds. The majority of the sheds are on the ground. Then spend that time combing that bedding area very well and then use your gps and turn your grids on and make sure you're covering all the areas don't leave any pockets undone ideally you want to make sure that you're walking within the next your next step over is as far as you could see the one prior because it's, it's very easy to walk past the shed depending on how it's laying so utilize the gps and, and dig in on the bedding areas as you can and hopefully that helps Put more sheds in your hand versus the next guy's hand. And then leading into that, <clears throat> where, you know, checking funnels and pinch points and watching with cameras where things are dropping, that's going to tell you where deer are moving late season. And something we're going to touch base on next week and we're going to dive in deeper is this time of the year, February, March, maybe even into April. I'm, I'm usually wrapped up by March, but I'm sure April is another month that you can do it. Just green up starts and I'm usually chasing, you know, turkey season's coming in then. So we're, you know, the, the focus has shifted. But February and March is the time of the year that you set up for next year. You put the work in now, between now and the end of March, figure out where you need to hang your sets, even hang your sets 
or prep your trees for a saddle or however you're hunting, even ground blinds, whatever you're going to do, however you're going to set up to hunt wherever you need to be to kill that, you know, that target deer. This time of the year is what makes or breaks that, you know, getting your trails cut in, getting yourself prepped and set is what can set up the difference between closing the deal on a mature deer or a target deer come hunting season next year in October and November versus not killing that deer. So something we want to dig into next week and we'll touch base on, on that and, and dive deeper into that. And uh, as we get towards that, it'll be next Tuesday, that'll drop. So in between then and there, those of you that are listening to this one, if you have uh, any, any tips or things that you guys do during this time of the year to, uh, to hopefully better your odds at closing the deal on a buck next year, because if you're out there finding his sheds, obviously we know he made it. You know, hunting season's over in most places. So if you're picking up his sheds, then you know he made it through the season and he's going to be there to, to chase next year. And hopefully he's just that much bigger. One more year, you know, he's going to be just, he's going to be that much bigger. So that jump from three to four can be pretty massive on, in, in antler growth. And then four to five can be another jump that's just, it's crazy how much inches they can put on in that time frame. But whether or not they put on a whole bunch of inches, they're getting a year older and they're getting that much smarter. They've got one more hunting season under their belt as well. So they've learned a lot. They've matured and they've become a different animal. They're a lot harder to hunt. So that's where I think, you know, the time you put in in February, March as your shed hunting and then leading into prepping and setting up for next year can make or break the difference of your season. So we look forward to hearing from you. If you have anything that you guys do this time of the year to set yourself up for next year to be successful. And in the interim, if you're getting out there shed hunting, introduce somebody new to it, get somebody out there, show them, show them the ropes, have them get out there and hopefully pick up their first set of antlers with you. We appreciate you guys tuning in this week and look forward to hearing some feedback on some successful shed hunts. And if any of these tips helped you be more successful, definitely be sure to share. You can find us across any of the platforms at Network Outdoors and post some pictures and make sure you do the hashtag um, shed hunting. So we look forward to seeing pictures of everybody's success and thanks for listening in this week.